1 Kings chapter 5, verse 17. At the king's command, the people removed from the quarry large blocks of quality stone to provide a foundation of dressed stone for the temple. Did you note the adjectives? Let me read it again. At the king's command, the people removed from the quarry blocks of stone. No. What were they? Large blocks. We're talking of um, a few ton each one. And of stone, quality stone. Quality stone. It wasn't the sort of stone that's going to crumble under pressure. This was very, very good quality stone. And then to provide a foundation of dressed stone for the temple. We're talking foundation. We're talking the stuff that goes under the ground that's not ever going to be seen again. And yet it was quality stone that was chosen and it was dressed. In other words, it was cut with nice straight faces, good correct angles just to bury it under the ground. But they chose the best. Now, 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 to 12. And see if the words can't portray a picture for you. It took Solomon 13 years to complete the construction of his palace. Anyone here ever built their home? Oh, Sunyap, you're building a home at the moment. Is it taking you 13 years? <laughs> Might feel like it sometimes. <laughs> Normally it takes about a year to build a home. Huh? 13 years to build his palace. He built the palace of the forest of Lebanon, a hundred cubits long. A cubit, by the way, is the tip of your big finger to the tip of your old elbow. For some people, it might be a bit longer than others, but uh, that's the general measure of a cubit, and it's around about half a metre. Um, a hundred cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high, with four rows of cedar columns supporting trimmed cedar beams. It was roofed with cedar above the beams that rested on the columns. 55 beams, 15 to a row. Its windows were placed high in sets of three facing each other. All the doorways had rectangular frames. They were in the front part in sets of three facing each other. He made a colonnade 50 cubits long and 30 cubits wide. In front of it was a portico, and in front of that were pillars and an overhanging roof. He built the throne hall, the hall of justice, where he was to judge, and he covered it with cedar from floor to ceiling. And the palace in which he was to live, set farther back, was similar in design. Solomon also made a palace like this hall for Pharaoh's 
daughter whom he'd married. That was just one of his thousand wives. All these structures from the outside to the great courtyard and from foundation to eaves were made of blocks of high-grade stone, cut to size and trimmed with a saw on their inner and outer faces. The foundations were laid with large stones of good quality, some measuring 10 cubits. That's five metres. And some eight cubits. That's four metres. That's a huge block of stone. Above were high-grade stones cut to size and cedar beams. The great courtyard was surrounded by a wall of three courses of dressed stone and one course of trimmed cedar beams, as was the inner courtyard of the temple of the Lord with its portico. And you can go on. There's a lot more of description of this construction. Let me just introduce you to Solomon because King Solomon was a son of King David, not the son, but a son of King David, and he was the second king of Israel. Is that right? It is correct. He was the second king of Israel. If you go back to the ancient Hebrew, the word king is Melech. David was anointed as Melech of Israel. Solomon was anointed as Melech of Israel. What about Saul? He was Nagiv. Nagiv is prince. Saul was anointed as the prince of Israel, but not the king. It's our English translations that have got it wrong. So Solomon was the second king of Israel, and he reigned over the 12 tribes of Israel for approximately 40 years, from 967 to 928 BC. And during his reign, the kingdom experienced a time of great prosperity and great splendor. And among his many achievements, King Solomon is especially known for his great wisdom, his incredible wealth, his many wives and children, his extensive political and commercial alliances with surrounding nations. He was a statesman. He was also known for, his, for securing and extending the borders of Israel and his extensive and, and magnificent building works, both in Jerusalem and throughout the whole of the country of Israel. And in case you were not aware of all the building works undertaken by Solomon, just consider the following. It was Solomon who greatly strengthened and rebuilt many of Israel's major cities and ports, including Hazor, Megiddo, and Giza. It was Solomon who built a fleet of ships for the purpose of international commerce. It was Solomon who significantly extended Jerusalem's walls and fortifications. It was Solomon who constructed a water system of pools 
to supply and secure Jerusalem's water needs for the future. It was Solomon who spent approximately 13 years constructing his royal palace in central Jerusalem. And it was Solomon who built the first temple in Jerusalem, which established the city not only as the political capital of the kingdom, but also as the religious faith center of the people of Israel. Truly, Solomon was a great king when it came to infrastructure development. He employed the best engineers of the day, the best stonemasons, the best carpenters, and the best artisans. Nothing he built was second-rate or inferior. Whatever he built, he built as a testimony to God and to endure for many centuries after his death. He didn't just build it for his generation. And he built it as a testimony to God. In our reading, we noted a number of very special buildings constructed by Solomon in Jerusalem. And in particular, Solomon's palace and the temple of God. Those were his two key signature pieces of infrastructure. And when reading of Solomon's palace in passages like 1 Corinthians and 2 Chronicles, we get a picture of great magnificence, of great proportions and great wealth. It was designed to impress the leaders of all the other nations and some may argue that it was designed to also intimidate leaders of other nations. Like the Forbidden City in Beijing, the royal palace of Solomon was not merely one building, but an extensive complex of buildings, each with their own special function. And it was this complex of buildings that took 13 years to build. How many of you have been to the Forbidden City in Beijing? Incredible, isn't it? It's of an enormous, um, I don't know how many acres, I guess it's probably 10, 15 acres. And it's got building after building after building. And they're interlinked by pathways and colonnades and they all had a different function. And of course, when you think about it, it's not just the emperor who lived in the Forbidden City. He had all his wives, he had his children, he had his servants, he had his courtiers. They all needed housing. They all needed kitchens to cook. They needed toilet facilities and washing facilities. It makes for a city within a city. As the scripture tells us, this palace complex that Solomon built was very similar to the Forbidden City in Beijing. Oh, it may have looked a little bit different because of cultural architecture, but in terms of size and magnificence, you get a similarity. 
And the complex that Solomon built included things like, you know, buildings like the house of the forest of Lebanon, the hall of pillars, the hall for the throne, the hall of judgment, a treasury or strong room, Solomon's private quarters, a house for Pharaoh's daughter, who was Solomon's most high-born wife, living quarters for Solomon's other wives and children, the living quarters for the servants and attendants, the kitchens, bathrooms, and other utility buildings, and, of course, the great court. And all of this is described in Kings and Chronicles. Now, just to give you an idea of how expansive these buildings were, the house of the forest of Lebanon, which was just one of the many buildings in the palace complex, the house of the forest of Lebanon was 50 metres long. Um, Just to give you an idea, uh, this church is 35 metres long. The house of the forest of Lebanon was 25 metres wide, the same as here. I'm not talking about this sanctuary. I'm talking about from the front of the office to the back door. That's how wide. And it was 15 metres high. And if you've been upstairs, you've seen the high ceiling we've got upstairs. This church from ground floor to the top of our roof is only 10 metres. The house of the forest of Lebanon was 50% higher. It was a huge building. It had four rows of cedar pillars with laminated cedar beams spanning the pillars to give it strength. Now, of interest, do you know when laminating was first invented? Wikipedia tells us it was first invented in the mid-19th century in England. (laughs) They may have rediscovered it, but they didn't invent it because Solomon had the technology 3,000 years ago. Oh, we are so arrogant sometimes, aren't we? As we we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verses 16 and 20, The purpose of the house of the forest of Lebanon, this one huge building, was simply that it was a storeroom. Its purpose was to store Solomon's golden shields, his golden drinking vessels, and many of his other precious goods, so that when he was entertaining people from uh, dignitaries from other countries, he'd go to that place and bring out the best cutlery, the best crockery, the best ornamentation and furniture. When he didn't need it, that's where it was stored, in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Amazing, huge building, just as a storeroom. I like that. Truly, Solomon was a master builder. And in all his life, He sought to honour and glorify God. Let me say that again. In all his life, he sought to honour and glorify God. It doesn't mean he was perfect. He wasn't. He made mistakes. But this was his heart's desire. 
Truly, he heeded the words of his father David in 1 Kings chapter 2. Be strong. This is what David said to Solomon. Be strong and prove yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. As a master builder, Solomon, however, did not merely build buildings of wood and stone. He also sought to build the life of his nation and his own nation, uh, sorry, and his own life on the foundation of God. 1 Kings chapter 8. And in 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 3 to 5, we read how God appeared to Solomon and reiterated the promises that he had made to David, Solomon's father. These are the words of God to Solomon. I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. If, conditional, conditional tense, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father. If, then, that's the conditional tense. The fulfillment of this promise of God was dependent upon the faithfulness and the obedience to God of each succeeding generation. And there's a challenge for you and me. God has made promises to us. But those promises are conditional. We have a responsibility to pass our faith and understanding and the foundations of our life onto our children and onto our children's children, that the promises of God may be evidenced in their life as well. Solomon was clearly told by God that he should build his life on the foundations established for him by God himself. And these foundations include integrity, righteousness, and obedience to God's will, values, and purposes. And if Solomon was to build his life on all these godly principles, then it would require a commitment of faith and steadfastness. Solomon knew what it was to build a good, solid, secure foundation for his palace and the temple. And God was telling him that he needed to build a solid and secure foundation for his very life as well. Brothers and sisters, is this any different for us today? Later on this year, we will be commencing a building program to upgrade these building facilities. And they need it. 
Let's not, however, become so consumed and distracted by these building works and so neglect the work that God is wanting to do in the lives of all of us here, as well as in the lives of the people out in the wider community. God is wanting to do his work in us. So we have to listen and learn what that is and put it into practice. Like Solomon, it is important that we lay a sure and solid foundation in the things of God, that we work to build the spiritual principles, the the holy values and the divine character of God into the person that we strive to be in 2018 and on into the future. Just as Solomon's palace was a complex of many different compartments and purposes, so our lives have many different aspects to them as well. We're not only followers of the Lord God on a Sunday. We seek also to gather and worship him in our daily prayer times, our weekly Bible study groups. And if you're not part of one, I encourage you to do so and to get stuck into this, um, uh, this series that we're doing on Ephesians. This is foundational stuff. And it's not just a matter of being a church on a Sunday. We should also be examples and witnesses for God in our families, our workplaces, in our neighbourhoods and in our various community functions and activities. As international dignitaries visited Solomon in Jerusalem, and as they saw the magnificence of all that he had built to honour God, as they listened to his great wisdom, which he acknowledged was a gift from God, so we should also live our lives in ways that give honour and glory to God. And so, brothers and sisters, I have a question for you. For what do you pray today that you may build and grow your lives? For what are you praying? Are you praying for good health, a long and comfortable life, freedom from worry and oppression? Are you asking God for good opportunities in life, a good job, a high position, wealth, fame? Are you asking the Lord for what Solomon asked? Did he ask those things? No. Because in verse 9, Solomon asked God this.
Thank you, Pastor Bruce, for stirring our hearts and challenging us. Let us close uh, this time of service with these beautiful uh, songs again. A reminder that uh, our fundamental identity is that God loves us. Shall we stand as we close this time?
Help us know that you're always there for us. You never leave us, never forsake us. Thank you, Lord. Uh, may the strength of God sustain you. Uh, may the power of God preserve you. And may the hands of God protect you. May the way of God direct you. And above all else, may the love of God go with you this day and forevermore. Amen.